Hello and welcome to part two of It's Time, Women in Private Equity. Uh, my name is Jordan Selleck. I'm the CEO and co-founder of 51 Labs. And hi, my name is Jing. I am the co-founder and COO of 51 Labs, also in charge of our firm's um, Everything Creative else except for sales and production. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Jing did seven years in corporate securities law and recently joined us full time. And this is actually the fifth anniversary of us nice. being in entrepreneurship. Uh, I did seven years of investment banking. Uh, I'm sorry, six years, two months, eight days of investment banking uh, entrepreneur for the past five years. Uh, we have a four person full-time team, Nicole Policcio, who is the master behind the scenes on events, uh, is our account executive, and Charlie Ray is our creative strategist. Um, briefly, on the next slide, we are primarily focused on the M&A community uh, for our digital marketing services, and I'll walk you through some of those services now. Um, LinkedIn, for example, with HKW, uh, Caroline, who's one of our uh, panelists and co-moderator, uh, is at HKW. With them, we've done, uh, we're doing 40 posts. Uh, here are two examples. The one on the left side, I think, got 75,000 views, which brought in 15 deal inbounds, of which five were actionable. Um, next, I'll show you some of the videos that we do. Uh, we do firm overview videos where we come out to uh, you in person and do a one or two day shoot. Next, we also do uh, portfolio company overviews. So for example, with Middle Ground, they sent us out in October to six different portfolio companies in six different states, and we produced everything in 30 days. That was fun. Um, also, we do a bunch of the videos that you've probably seen on LinkedIn, uh, including with uh, some of our panelists. Uh, for example, uh, Melanie, we shot this video. This one got over 10,000 views, and this was kind of hitting on the home of 117 resumes and zero women who applied. So shot this video. Uh, next, I will talk to you a little bit about some of the on-site videos that we do. You know, when we're out there, for example, doing the firm overview video, we're getting tons of content that we can then put into this format, which is either for your website, LinkedIn, or distributed over email. Next, we do events, obviously. <laughs> so we've done in the past, uh, past five events or so, we've actually had uh, over 850 people now on our events. And so if you do have a topic that you'd like to cover that we have not, please feel free to reach out and we'd love to get one scheduled. Some of the other events that we also do are annual meetings and, and hosting those for you. This is either on managing the technical side and or the video side, like you know, going out to the portfolio companies and shooting video. Last thing I want to mention is 51 Vets. And this is a nonprofit that we co-founded uh, last year. I've been working with veterans for the past four years and helped out over 200 people uh, in their job placement. And actually, Melanie, who's on the panel uh, a couple of weeks ago, she was part of a two-hour fireside chat uh, that we had. And then we did a case study with her and uh, Greg Bondick at Windjammer. And actually, later on this month, she's doing a case study on anagenesis. And so we have uh, two. We have one person right now, for example, I want to highlight Mike Laray, uh, 20 years uh, as a SEAL, MBA. Uh, 20 years as a SEAL MBA and uh, is currently interning as an independent sponsor or at an independent sponsor. He is looking for a job now in either banking, private equity or credit uh, in the Southeast. So if you're interested in helping out in any way with firesides, uh, doing case study, whatever it is, please shoot me an email, jordan at 51vets.org or our 51 labs email or on LinkedIn, doesn't matter. Just put vets, reach out. We'll find a way to, to do this. So moving over to our Investors and Operators podcast, we've done, I think it's actually, actually now like 55 episodes, uh, including with Evelise and uh, others on the panel here, like Michelle. Uh, the most recent one that we did uh, for Women in Finance was with Suzanne Yoon from Kinsey Capital. That is on investorsandoperators.com. Uh, Nicole can drop that into the chat here. Please subscribe to the podcast. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel. And if you have any guests that you want highlighted, feel free to email and suggest them. Next, we're going to introduce our panelists. 
Jing has done her introduction, but Caroline, love for you to come on to the screen. Uh, it's great to be here. Thank you, Jordan and Jing. Uh, I am Caroline Young. I'm the director of ESG at HKW, middle market private equity firm, uh, 5 to 30 in EBITDA, health and wellness business services. In addition, in 2020, I started my own consulting firm, which I am loving working with women in sort of a mentor coach capacity. Thank you. All right, let's introduce the panelists. First, Alex Labenthal, Senior Advisor at Houlihan Loki. Hi, um, I am thrilled to be here for the second time. I'm Alex Labenthal. I'm a Senior Advisor in the Financial Sponsors Group at Houlihan, and my focus is on female-led companies and female-led private equity firms. I realized after being a CEO, a client of investment banks, you know, part of a network of other female CEOs that developing relationships um, in the investment advisory business is so critical to the growth of companies. Um, and so it's been a fantastic six months and realized there, there's more out there than even I thought. And I will just say, a lot of men who are thrilled about the opportunity um, to better connect with female founders. Thank you. Gretchen Perkins. Hello, hello. Also glad to be here like Alex's for part two and continuing our conversation. I am a partner with a new private equity firm, Avance Investment Management. We are investing in lower middle market, ideally founder owned businesses with five to 25 million of EBITDA. Um, being a diverse firm is part of our mandate, uh, proud to say, and um, looking forward to continuing to build our diverse workforce as well as diversity in our portfolio. Thank Thanks. you. Um, hi, um, welcome everyone. Uh, my name is Melanie Brensinger. I'm a co-founder of Anagenesis Capital Partners. We're a private credit fund focused in on the healthcare space. We founded the firm, uh, my partner and I founded the firm in 2015, and prior to that spent um, over 10 years in the healthcare space, and uh, recently had the opportunity a few months ago to meet Jordan and uh, Jing and the team, and, um, and we've done a bunch of things together, as Jordan just referenced, and was really happy to be part of part one here and excited to be part, a part of part two and answer the questions that everyone has. And thank you for the other panelists for joining us today also. All righty, Michelle Noon. Great. Hi, everyone. Uh, Jordan, Jing, thank you for having me back. It was uh, definitely cut short in our last conversation. It's a pleasure to be able to continue it today. Uh, thanks to everyone for joining. I'm Michelle Noon. I'm the managing partner and also co-founder at Clearhaven Partners. We are a lower middle market software and technology focused private equity buyout firm in Boston. Uh, which is really a continuation of what I've done my entire investing career, but I founded the firm in uh, August of 2019. Um, we have uh, kind of been at it uh, since then. We've, we've grown the team to about eight now uh, and really pursuing companies that are 20 to 80 million in revenue that have good products and good markets, but need operational help to scale. That's our sweet spot. So pleasure to, to speak with you all today. Great, thank you. Evelise. Great, good morning everybody. And Jordan, Jean, thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm the managing partner at Avanti and one of um, on the founding team. Uh, we're a 100% women-owned private credit fund. We're in our 11th year, um, so it's gone by really fast. We're just finalizing our third, raising our third fund, which was oversubscribed. We're really grateful for that. Um, and I'm really happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Hi, Amy Weissman with Sterling Investment Partners. Uh, been on Wall Street for over 35 years and with Sterling for the past 20 years, uh, created the role of business development, which for us means looking for great investments for our middle market fund that uh, is looking for companies in the distribution and business services space. And I'm really excited to be on the panel today. And thank you, Jordan and Jing for organizing. All right, so we want this to be interactive. If you are in the uh, attendees, please, uh, please be sure to drop in the questions and we'll get to them. But to kind of kick it off, uh, what I'd like to do is start off with one of the questions from the last, uh, the last panel that we did and you know, direct this first to, to Caroline. You know, how do you view the notion of having it all? Well, I, I feel personally very blessed in my life. And I feel like I have had the opportunity to have it all which doesn't mean it's not 
really hard at times, but I am just so glad I always kept my foot in the door with work. I did go part-time for a while when my kids were really young and that enabled me to balance it uh, for me a little better at the time. I really encourage young, younger women and people with kids, keep your foot in that door, keep working, but you do need to compartmentalize a little bit. Um, when you're at work, you're at work. When you're at home and you're focused on your kids, put that phone away. They know when you're checking your email, when you look at your phone. So um, it's really important to um, be present and um, know that it gets a little easier as your kids, you know, I'm an, I'm an empty nester and I just feel so, you know, fortunate that I got to be, you know, in a private, I've been in this private equity firm for 20 years now. And it's just, it's been great. And I have two awesome kids that are, you know, out in the world. So for me, I felt like I got to have it all and I'm so appreciative of it. Amy. Yeah, I think it reminds me of, um, I think it reminds me of one of the women that I admire greatly, Christine Lagarde, the former head of the IMF and now head of the European Bank. And she said, you can have everything in your career, but maybe just not all at the same time. And that, and that uh, Jane Fraser, the head, the woman who just uh, took control of, the, or will be, sorry, CEO of, of Citibank said, think of your career in decades. And, you know, you don't have to rush. It's, it's a long run. So just wanted to share that advice. Anyone else have some thoughts on that, on just the, the notion of balance and having it all or even you know, opportunity costs with your time? No, I just wanted to add that I think this having it all, um, somehow we create the image in our mind of some perfect woman out there who looks fantastic, has kids that are all functioning and goes to meetings <laughs> and is incredibly successful. The only place that woman existed was in that Anjali commercial that um, some of us grew up with. Um, and I think that also goes to the balance issue where somehow we feel like everybody else got balance except me. And so now I'm on this race to find it. And it's just recognizing that there are days when you're literally crying on the street to your husband saying, I can't do it. And then there are days when you get it all done and you just want to throw your arms up and say, I'm super mom. The good days don't last and the bad days don't last. So just recognizing balance is actually sort of getting to that point where you recognize it's going to come and it's going to go. And I don't have to hold myself up to some image of having permanent balance. Yeah, I was also going to add to that. I totally agree with Alex. And recognize that we are all in that same boat, right? We're all like, you know, dealing with like the mess that you're cleaning up and then getting on that board call or running that meeting. It's not pretty behind the scenes for any of us, men included, frankly. So, you know, just don't forget that the, the exterior that we all see is not really what's happening, you know, behind the scenes to make, to make it work. Um, also, I think there's just sort of a reality of hard trade-offs and, you know, having it all is not literally having it all. It, it's having the, the priorities that you choose to have. And so you end up needing to decide what those are, being very explicit about that, and then acknowledging there are hard trade-offs for the other things that might look nice or someone else might be doing, but that's off limits. There's, there's still only 24 hours in a day. So I think that's one of the things which is, you know, not, not having like FOMO, not, like you just decide what's your priority and the rest is noise or someone else's choice. Um, you know, we have made this work in our household with two full-blown careers and full-time the whole time, uh, you know, in, in other firms and now starting a firm in my case. Um, and a lot of things don't, you know, are not possible anymore. We're choosing family and work and exercise so that we can do all of the above, but that's about it. You know, we don't do a lot of other things. So I think there's just the reality to recognize that you're gonna make your choices and, and there will be hard trade-offs, but you just be comfortable with that. And, and if you decide that the trade-off doesn't feel right, then you make a different choice, but, um, but that's sort of a, a part of the math equation to making it happen. You know, the, Alex, your point that you were discussing about, you know, super mom, um, you know, that really reminds me of, the past five years for us, like the word super almost became like a bad word. To, oh, to I hated when, when Jordan says like, yo, you can do it. It's like, I don't want to do it. 
but it, um, it, but, it was really a reflection yes. of so it was so imbalanced mm -hmm. where she was a lawyer for you know the four or the five years of our entrepreneurial journey and i had to go off and just be like i was just gone just am i an entrepreneur world and i wasn't balancing what i needed to but that really highlights the point about communicating of where you're at in your you know whatever journey or building your career and not just self-balancing i guess it's also balancing with your family and even extended family and outsource um resources you say outsource your parents who came from china <laughs> they came here twice to take care of the kids but, but i do remember when i was talking with a, uh, another woman and, and she was mentioning you know just if, if you're not good at something don't pretend that you're good at it and outsource it to somebody else yeah. We're going to send our kids back to visit the grandparents twice. <laughs> Melanie, over to you. Just, uh, sorry, one of the things that I found really helpful because I was working and a lot of other women where I live didn't work or were doing other things. I used to form groups of women, like chat groups, so I could get all the information from them that I was missing, like at the schools. Like I didn't get to go to the PTA, PTO meetings. So I would form like mom's groups and just sort of figure out ways to get the information I was missing. <laughs> Them. So you could be creative. Um, I was just going to add uh, a little bit, Michelle, you uh, took some of the words out of my mouth of where I was going to go with the conversation because um, years ago when I was at GE Capital, uh, we had Jeff M. out come and talk to, it was called Women in Commercial. And uh, I already had heard him speak about work-life balance. And so um, I knew what his answer was going to be in some ways, but we were sitting there. And of course, like, one of the women in the room raised her hand and I said, please don't let her ask about work-life balance. And sure enough, she raised her hand. The first question to him was, um, you know, how do you manage work-life balance? And he literally stopped in his tracks. And I was, you know, as a woman, I see Amy, you shaking your head, right? Like, I had the same response, like, oh, geez, of all things to ask, you know, our CEO of General Electric, why work-life balance? But she asked the question and his response just really sticks with me even today. He said, um, you know, you have to choose what you want to do in your life. And there is no work-life balance. Work is part of your life and your life is part of your work. So this whole theory that there's a work-life balance is a really oxymoron when you really think about it, because it's all part of your life. And he was telling us the story when he had the opportunity to become the CEO of General Electric. He went home and told his wife, hi, honey, listen, I have this opportunity. And she was all excited and thrilled. Oh my gosh, you're going to be CEO. He said, no, sit down because we have to talk. <laughs> and he said, I just want to be really clear. If I become the CEO of General Electric, I'm going to be married to General Electric first. And I'm going to be married to you and our daughter second. And if that's not okay with you, I can't take this position. Now for that, I'm going to not play poker. I'm not going to go golf. I'm not going to go, you know, do these other 50 things, Michelle, to your point. Um, General Electric is going to be first and my family is going to be second. And that's it for my world. And so he raised that story to say that, you know, that doesn't mean that all time of your career, you have to put work first or family first but you have to look at your um, life in chapters and decide for that particular chapter, what is your priority? What is your focus? And then you're gonna have to sacrifice. There's gonna be some sacrifice. Even if you think you have it all and you're doing it all, you can't be 100% five different places. So you're gonna put 100% somewhere and then everywhere else you're gonna feel like you're failing and disappointing people and feel terrible and horrible as a whatever you're supposed to think you're being. And rather than just accepting and being really clear with people, this is number one. And these other things right now have to be number two. And in a different period of time, maybe it's number, you're number one and everything else is number two. But I think clear communication and clear priorities and then communicating out is really important to keep things um, correct. Wow. And Jeff really said it very poignant to all of us. And I thought it was just something great to pass on to everyone else. That's very interesting right. and it's so true because how many of us say oh family's first you know like, and, and then but guess what let me look at your hours in the day where are you spending those hours and, and, and that was such an honest conversation and making that trade-off um and okay. how many times jordan, how many times jordan did you or anyone else on this panel or people listening go to an event and say oh no i'm going to be totally focused on this event this is family time this is whatever friend time and then you're like hiding in the bathroom or hiding in a hallway or like running outside and trying to take a call or like looking at an email under your, yeah. under your desk. And so, I mean, I think we all, I mean, 
Yeah, right. That's why I'm laughing. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, we put to the spa, and then and then I'll be like, oh, I'm gonna have to send this email before. So yeah, that happened. <laughs> <laughs> well, Gretchen, uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I don't have anything to add. Um, my fellow panelists here have really um, laid out the basics. Like, there's choices to make. Your career is long. Don't be in a rush. Uh, it is a very long game. And um, I'll just throw another data point out there. Like Caroline, I stepped off the full-time track, working mom track for about three years and I worked part-time and it worked for me at that point at my kids' ages and with my daycare situation. And um, as soon as they were both in school, you know, one was in, well, as soon as the youngest got to kindergarten, I went right back to um to working full time. So, you know, Caroline and I have done, I think pretty well in our career. So it's not the death knell if you reduce a bit, but very much to Caroline's point, I would like to amplify that. Don't step out, don't step out. There's enough support if you're at the right firm nowadays to continue to do that. And it's, and it's okay if you, you know, as Alex said, you know, you change your focus on one thing by decade, you know, and that's, yep. that's a hundred percent what you do. That's a hundred percent what you do. Your kids need you more in certain decades than they do in other decades. So, um, tailor your situation to the place you're at, um, and everything will work out. It really will. <laughs> well, yeah, when, I, when, I, when I had Sam, I was, I was practicing law and I went to the managing partner and said, I want to go part-time. And he was like, oh my God, what, what do I, what do I do with her? They never had a part-time lawyer. It took them five months to figure it out. And then they finally came back and they said, okay, you can work 60% of the hours, 40% of the pay, and you're off partnership track, which doesn't sound so great, but I was like, okay. And, but by the end, I proved to them it could work. I had, I was a litigator for seven years going part-time, I go full-time when it was in trial. And you know, if you're clear about what you need and what you want with yourself and your firm and you have established your value proposition first, then that's kind of how you got to make it work. And well, uh, we have a question from the audience, Jerry Harmon. Um, <laughs> all right. Women often have trouble taking risks in the same way or frequency as men. What is the biggest risk you took in your career and what gave you the courage to do so? And what was the impetus to do so? Evelys might be good for you to start <laughs> on that one. <laughs> answer that question. And it's also, you know, the next question you're going to ask Jordan is just, how do you make a firm work for women? I mean, the biggest risk I took was joining Jerry Harmon right, to start a company. Um, but, you know, I, I think it was an, an amazing, it has been an amazing experience in large part because she created a, a firm that works for women, you know, and the way you make a firm work for women, at least in, in my experience, is that you first recognize that women need something different than men. You know, when I started my career 25 years ago, I felt like all the women wanted to be just like men. We had to prove that we were exactly the same, that we could work just as hard. But there's some points where we really can't, right? Where, as Caroline and Gretchen has said, maybe you have to step out a bit. Maybe you have to change it. And if firms are not open to that, then women leave. You know, one of the saddest things I just learned is from my Harvard Business School class, 2004, there was a bunch of us that started in private equity. There's only two that are left in private equity. And I think that's such a waste, right? Women are incredible at this business, right? I, on our team, we have some of the most amazing women, so talented. And for us to have worked so hard and then get to like a mid-level or senior level and then leave because our firms won't let us go part-time or won't let us work a little bit more flexible because we have children or we have other, you know, we have older parents that we have to take care of. Um, it's just such a waste. And so I think firms can do a lot. And I know I'm so grateful to Jerry for, you know, Jerry hired me when I was pregnant with twins, which I joke all the time. She's the only person that would hire a Puerto Rican girl pregnant with twins to be her partner. <laughs> Does that. She um, is the greatest. She is. She is. And I think she's set a really incredible example for the industry. And through our work at Avanti, I think we've, you know, really proven that women can be incredibly successful and not work in the same ways. I mean, I was part-time for six years while my kids were little, right? And nobody even knew it. And my other partners, 
you know, my male partners really help support me. I mean, my partner, Paul, you know, we don't talk as much about him, but he has been an incredible resource. I couldn't have done it without him, right? He really helped support me through that whole thing. And so just having people in a firm that really support each other and that realize that women need things that are different. Ivelisse, I think your part-time is most people's full-time, which is why no one noticed. So. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's right. I, I'm curious though, back to Jerry's original question, like what do people think about that? Is that, you know, I'm actually surprised to hear the question phrased that way. I never really thought about women being um, maybe less in terms of risk takers. I view it as maybe more calculated risk takers, perhaps the probability assessment is applied, um, you know, in a different way, but what do you guys think? I, oh, Michelle, oh, go, go ahead, Elise. I was going to say, Michelle, you just started a firm, right? That's a huge risk. That's a huge. I mean, that's, that's obviously, that? maybe not obviously, but it's probably one of the biggest risks I've taken, but also, you know, you get to a point, at least the, the calculation again is a calculated risk, but the calculation for me was um, that I was at a point in my career where I had done this, you know, I built a track record. I had a network that was relevant, a, a strategy that was, successful that we would look to replicate. And at that point, uh, it wasn't viewed as like a, a risk that oh, I might take this risk, it might fail. Of course it could, and, you know, anything, anything new can fail. But it was an imperative at that point. It was the only choice uh, to make relative to the criteria that I was solving for. So in that vein, when it feels like it's a necessary step, it doesn't feel like, uh, you know, the same level of risk as perhaps something that is uh, more discretionary. Um, so uh, that was at least my my thought process going into it. I think in taking a risk, you have to really sit down and say, okay, what's the worst thing that could happen? What are all the things that could go wrong? And if they do, am I going to be okay with that? And then also, if this is going to make the difference in my happiness and fulfillment, um, Am I, you know, am I supposed to be doing that and walking away from something that may have certainty to it? And this was something I certainly faced in 2017 um, when I chose to walk away from the business. And I knew that it was, there was going to be some ugliness around it and some people saying, oh, can you believe what happened? Um, but I was so certain that happiness and fulfillment were ahead of me that the choice became very clear. Let's shift over a little bit to creating a firm that works for women and the framework for DE&I. Like, where do people even start? How have you approached it at your firms? Because, um, you know, a lot of firms have the motivation to do it, but they just don't know where to start. Um, Gretchen, can you talk about how you've kind of intentionally built that into Avance with the team? Sure, delighted to, and thank you for asking me the question. Um, yeah, that diversity, building a diverse firm, building a diverse portfolio and a workforce at our portfolio companies and building diversity into our service providers is, is a mission, is part of our core mission and it's our mandate. So, and the first one, uh, first uh, it's time webinar, I mentioned we were 50-50 gender balanced and 50-50 people of color and Caucasian balanced. And um, we've had a um, principal position person accept an offer that will tip it to more than 50% people of color, which is awesome. Um, again, we're doing it because it results in better returns. We're not doing it for any other reason. Um, it, 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 and, and we just want to build a firm that looks like the United States of America. So that is, that is our mandate in hiring. That doesn't mean we're not going to hire Caucasian uh, men and women. It means we're going to have diversity. We're going to have a mix of all very intentionally. So um, it starts with you know, a mandate to our search firms that we use, you know, the various firm, we have a number of firms we're using, um, recruitment firms, and, and you know, they are instructed to give us a slate of diverse candidates. And um, it is harder to find them. 
go find them. <laughs> you know, that's we're kind of voting with our money in that regard there. That and, and they've they've you know absolutely um, been up to the task. What it, what I'd like to share. However, so that's how we're doing it as a new firm. You know, we'll um, I think we'll naturally. As people look at our website, they look at our team page, they'll recognize um, that this is a firm that values that and we will get more inbound. But I was talking this week and I wanted to share um, last week actually with a woman business owner, woman founder. She's amazing. She specifically um, has created a diversity um, you know, environment at her firm and sorry, I'm just looking away to check my notes from with her. She um, has built this firm, bootstrapped it. It's very sizable now. Any of the private equity on this firm would be interested in either lending to it or investing in it. And she was disappointed because they didn't have, to her standard, enough employees with diverse backgrounds. So the first thing she did is she hired a head of DE&I, that's diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, and, and so that person reports directly to her, the CEO, the founder with specific metrics on a monthly, quarterly, annual basis on how this person is helping and reaching out to diverse audiences for candidates. But she gave this really great tip that we can all do if we choose to. Um, she said, I am completely unafraid of taking a stand on social justice issues. She says, our website has strongly um, denounced police brutality, strongly supported Black Lives Matter, strongly uh, denounced the past administration's um, messaging on people of Hispanic descent and you know, coming from Mexico. Um, or, or any of the countries that were, we had a no-fly rule, you know, for a while that all happened to be, you know, populations of color. And I, she said, I strongly posted that on our website. And as a result, in 2020, she had a 49% increase in BIPOC employee applications, 49% increase inbound because people are seeing that, and she's in a hot, sexy space with a lot of competition for her employees. And I just thought, wow, that is so simple. It is so simple and it moved the needle so crazy. She was also um, unhappy in the past with how the retention rate of uh, diverse candidates were at her company, because it's you know difficult. That brings up a good point, which is being intentional. Exactly, and, very and, intentional. And, and mm -hmm. Evelyn, that's, can you, can you talk about that? Yeah, I just, I, I, I love what you just said, Gretchen. I love it because, you know, obviously our first priority and our responsibility in our jobs is, is to make money for our investors. But I think sometimes, for sure, but I think sometimes we, we make that, we're scared to say that there are other things that are important too, right? And one thing that I've appreciated about Jerry and our firm is that from the very beginning when it wasn't as, you know, as sort of politically good to, to, to be diverse, right? We you stood up and we said- on the bleeding edge. Right, yeah, we stood up and we just said, no, this is important because of a lot of things, including it'll help our returns, but it's the right thing to do because it is. It is the right thing to do and it's okay to say it. And when we said it out loud, we realized a lot of people, it resonated with a lot of people with a lot of our sponsors, with our teammates, they thought, oh, great, you believe in something and that's wonderful. And so I feel like we, none of us should be afraid to say like, we're women and we're gonna hire women because we should be doing that, mm -hmm. right? For no other reason. It helps the returns, it does for sure. But there are other reasons we should be doing it too. I think so I um, Jordan, Jordan, you um, touched on something, the diversity, equity and inclusion. I think we focus a lot on the diversity and on the hiring of diverse candidates, which is like, you know, you can't you know, do everything all at once, of course. So you have to make baby steps in all of these initiatives. But um, so I think that's a great kind of first step to get a diverse group of folks within um, our industry. The second two pieces, the equity and the inclusion is so incredibly important 
for creating um, wealth for um, people of color or for women, and then also retaining them. And so, Evelise, to your point of looking at your um, Harvard uh, Business School folks and saying, wow, there's only two left in the private equity world. You know, when, when I was a GE and we looked at a lot of retention stats around women and, and other people of color, and from my own experience, I think the folks on the panel also have always been, have been in those situations where you don't feel included. And then in people trying to include you, you know, typically they get it all wrong. Like I'm on, I was on a, a, an event one time and they said, um, okay, we're going to have golf for men and we're going to have bad gammon for women. And I thought, when did, when did we get bad gammon? Like who decided gammon was the right move? You know, I, I remember reaching out to Jerry afterwards and saying, Jerry, did he just recommend bad gammon for women? I was like, he's like, he's trying, he's trying, you know, like, so I, I think so much of it is like misunderstanding. Like I have for myself and for so many other women I know, like we're athletes, right? I mean, we're, you know, if somebody said like, hey, we're going to do like, we're going to go to CKO and take a boxing class, you know, like women I know would be like all over that, like, Hey, let's go do that. So I think, you know, but instead they're like, okay, let's do a yoga or a meditation, which, you know, I do yoga and meditation too. But I think part of it is understanding who we are as people. And, and I think sometimes it's really hard to relate to women. If, if you, if you don't have those experiences and not feeling included for an extended period of time. And in fact, feeling like a complete outcast, you, women are not going to stay in that environment. And those are some gray nuances that I think we all have to work on to make sure we're, we're making people feel included um, across the board, women and people of color. And the same way with the equity side of it. You know, I think to Jerry's point about taking risk, risk isn't always like, hey, should I leave my firm and go start a firm? Because of course, Michelle, you and, and myself and others certainly did that. And I think, um, you know, that's a bit of a rarity, but um, to your point, you know, it's something we just had to do, right? There was no plan B. Um, so certainly feel that, right? But I know in hiring and talking to younger women, you know, sometimes it's about the trade-off of current income to long-term income. And they, you know, a lot of times they just can't wrap their head around, I'm going to take a salary decrease because I'm going to get carried interest or at larger firms, I'm going to get options or equity. And I just rather have the current income or, you know, taking dollars and investing in a fund versus keeping that current income. And I think as women, we don't talk enough about wealth creation and money and also standing and saying, you know what, I don't want just current income. I want to create long-term wealth for myself and my family and for, and for generations to come. And that requires you to give me longer term incentives. And we have to shift the narrative a little bit to get women to think as business owners versus just taking crumbs that are delivered through um, their paycheck every two weeks. Powerful. And yes. before we switch to the next topic about doing a different type of event, uh, March 27th, Central Park Half Marathon. Um, <laughs> Melanie, you brought it up, Sandra. Melanie, <laughs> you walked into that. You signed up for it. <laughs> Enjoy it. I'm not even coming off a knee surgery, so I'll be hobbling, but I'm there. <laughs> so uh, we will and put that out there, March 27th. Yes, and then we'll be pushing our uh, jogger. Jogger. Uh, <laughs> so we won't be running too fast. Don't worry about that. Would you want to so, go with this? Yes, we can switch to a little bit um, to another topic, which is about uh, mentoring and being mentored. Um, so Caroline how you approach the relationship, this kind of relationship of mentor and mentees uh, with other females? Well, I think it's just, I think it's really important to have role models and, and that's something for all of us on this panel, there just haven't been a whole lot of role model, female role models out there. And, and being able to see your path to promotion and the next step up is really important for anybody. But I think it's, extra important for women because there are so few. So I think the mentoring, role modeling, sounding board is really important. And that's that's actually why I started Grassberry Consulting because I want to be that for these people. And I, it's just been amazing to see how much people can grow when you when you feel like you got someone in your corner really supporting you and, and pushing you on and there for you. I think it's really helpful. Um, I personally, you know, that there's, 
there's sort of a notion out there and one of the questions uh, related to women maybe not supporting other women. And I would say, you know, look at this panel. This, this is a panel of people that wanna help other women. And when I was a young lawyer, there's maybe a little bit of that, but I find within the PE world and the investment banking world, women really want to help each other. I mean, you look at Exponent that Amy, you know, helped found or Wave or PE Win. It's all about helping other women. And um, for those young women out there, finding, you know, finding that sponsor, finding that mentor that you respect and you value their opinion, it's so important for your growth. And for the women out there, just encourage you to, to be that person when you can. Carolyn, I, I would love to ask you, and this came from a very brief exchange Melanie and I had on LinkedIn yesterday in regards to her zero women out of 117. And I asked her, you know, I wonder how many women do you think actually wanted to apply but felt that they weren't qualified, which we know is a typical thing that happens. Do you have any advice or are there things that you share with women that you're mentoring around getting over that fear that you need seven out of five qualifications to be considered for a job when guys say, oh, I have two or three, I'm in. And I think they have 10. No. <laughs> yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, that's a big part of it. And I don't, you know, there's a great book called The Confidence Code, which I'd recommend reading, but Confidence impacts us in so many ways that we don't even realize. It's thinking, oh, I'm not qualified for that promotion or that job, or I can't sign up for more slides in a pitch because I'm not there. So realizing that confidence is impacting you in um, what tasks you're taking on, maybe you're micromanaging, you're spending hours on an email because you're thinking about, oh, how's everybody going to take it? That all kind of taps back to confidence. And I think just being aware of the impact confidence has on yourself and, and what you're doing is a huge step in, you know, being able to put yourself out there um, in a better way. It looks like we have a poll. Oh, sorry. I think that's great. Um, great advice, Caroline. And I'd add one other perhaps dimension on this concept of mentorship, which is, you know, there's concept of sponsorship, mentorship, and you know, certainly I think we all, probably everyone on this panel has been sponsored or mentored by men as well. It, it's just a necessary reality and, and it's not a bad thing. Like you can learn a lot of stylistic things or also just you know, ways of, of interacting or thinking you know, from, from different genders and, and backgrounds, et cetera. The third dimension I would add is the concept of inspiration and you can get inspiration. It may not be as much of a one-to-one ongoing relationship that you could have with a sponsor or a mentor, but the, but you can be inspired by lots of different people and kind of aggregate um, influence over your own trajectory or your own, you know, next steps by virtue of, of that kind of inspiration. I, and it can be peers, it can be people younger than you, you know, it can be older than you, different industries, but, but the whole concept that it has to be someone that looks like what you want to be exactly in the future, A, that doesn't exist that much, as Caroline said, in private equity for women, and B, that's that's just a limited view in a way. Like you're gonna create your own you for the future. Um, and, and ideally you're picking things that work well and with what other people are doing and you're leaving behind things that, you know, have been bad experiences for you or don't work so well. So I'd add that third dimension of like, grab your inspiration from anywhere that, that you find it. And then that helps influence kind of what you do next or how you think about the challenges that you might face. Michelle, that brings up a really good point in a couple of areas. One, the reverse mentorship. For people who are at the beginning stage of the career, you have just as much to teach them on, hey, here's how to use Slack. Have you guys thought about using this in your firm or, you know, other platforms like there's or, you know, I'm using Calendly or X.AI. Have you thought about using this to make your life easier, partner at firm, MD at investment bank? Like you're it's a two way street. And so that also should give you confidence to reach out that you do have something valuable to offer. Um, and for the juniors. Um, one of the things that we've noticed with the transitioning veterans that has really helped out to reach out to potential mentors is have a specific ask, even if it's wrong, but don't be general. Like, I don't know what to do in my life. 
or just <laughs> everyone has that at some stage and we probably have that right now also but be specific because it gives somebody a target to aim at even if that's the wrong target just give them something to aim at um, that they can give you feedback and then you iterate on that feedback and the last point is turn it into something that's not just a one and one and done 30 minute zoom interview be like hey do you mind if i follow up in two or three different meetings to get feedback over the next two or three months because i'm like, I don't know what the heck I'm doing. I'm trying to figure this out. So mentorship, trying to make it intentional and specific for the people who you're reaching out to. Jordan, I just wanted to add one thing um, in terms of the confidence, uh, even when you're young and just starting out and recognizing you may have done things already that are more than most people will have done. And um, through this last, the first uh, panel we did, um, actually Kim Bellis uh, reached out to me. We had a conversation and she had just told me about how um, she learned how to detonate bombs underwater. And then she asked me how, you know, what she should think about in terms of confidence. And I was like, first of all, there's nothing you're ever gonna do that is gonna be like that. And you're already ahead of the game. And I'm gonna guarantee you that 99% of the people that you're working with will have never done that before. So just recognizing, wow, you know, I've, I've already done stuff that is an inspiration to others who are decades ahead of me. I think the other thing, Jordan, we were on one of our webinars or, or um, sessions along the way. I think it might have been for Tribe 51, but you were leaning into the camera and Jing was leaned back and you said, um, you know, I have to remember that, you know, if my arm's in front of Jing and I'm all in the camera and she's in the back, right? Like what type of message am I sending about even you two together? But I thought it was... Um, really a, a really interesting uh, dynamic that you could think about more broadly across um, the the industry right if if the men are are you know putting their elbows first and the women are pulling back over time you know that can have an impact on your confidence without you even realizing it so um, I've noticed now like you're leaning back Jing's leaning forward but I've noticed that in now doing more sessions with the two of you like, it's great because I see Jing like shining more and talking more and being more animated. And I think part of that is because you pulled back a little bit. So I think also for the men that are listening in and thank you for joining all the, the men who are joining all of us women. Um, I think for the men, sometimes it's those subtle nuances that you could catch yourself doing to say, hold on, let me pull back a little bit and let her move forward so that we can have a clear balance here. And sometimes that um, those little small things can really make a significant impact on people. And Caroline, that goes to our point. You know, Caroline's been doing some amazing consulting for us on one-on-ones on like creating space. Caroline, can you go through the pointers that you've given even me specifically <laughs> on like on, on coaching, how I could be a better leader and also for, for our team, which is uh, half female. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, for the guys, when, when I do a coaching session, I always start with a supervisor, which is really interesting. And there's a few different things that I try and help them with. One is it giving a little space. A, a, a lot of these um, guys are just they're used to talking and talking fast and they're not, they're like, she doesn't, she doesn't participate enough. It's like, well, do you give her any space to talk or do you ask her opinion? And when she does, do you, do you, you know, give credit to it, but also just um, realizing that in this, there's always a spectrum, but, but the women may, may be really successful in a different way and respecting that and valuing really the end result versus maybe how they get there. So maybe someone's going to take a little quieter way of connecting with a client, but that doesn't make it less effective. It's, it may well be more effective. So it's really helping um, especially in a man's world like PE, where there's so many men, seeing that things can be done differently. And I think that's all part of the diversity and inclusion that Melly was talking about. If you, are, if you are respecting the strengths that are really there, people are gonna wanna stay and they're gonna feel included. So those are kind of some of the things that I think in a male you know, room with all men and one woman, you can think about those things. Uh, Caroline, what are some of the books that you had mentioned and anyone else, any books on understanding different personality types that are in the room. Because I had to learn, for example, in 10 years and going that Jing is an introvert and what that means to our team, what that means on calls. But do you have any specific book recommendations on just things about teams and leadership to better understand people? 
uh, on introverts, quiet is really good. And Susan Kane has an awesome TED talk too. Really, she's awesome. Um, confidence code that I mentioned is really good. Uh, Culture Code is a great book for leadership. Um, let's see. Uh, There's two different what? books, Confidence Code and Culture Code. Yep, I know. Yeah, similar, but two different books. And then I, I love The Happiness Advantage. It's not necessarily um, different kinds of people. It's about having a positive mindset set and uh, approaching life. You know, you'll be like more likely to be successful with a happy attitude versus saying, oh, if, I'm, if I only get that job, I'm going to be happy. It's backwards because happiness begets success. Um, positive shift is another really good one on that front. Well, a Amy, can you talk a little bit about Exponent? And the thing I really admire about you and with Exponent women, um, in fact, my former MD, Justine Mannering, who I've has had a tremendous influence on my life. Um, I just found out about that. <laughs> yeah. She gave me so much crap in all the right ways. And I was like, oh my, and it, it was after I left banking, like she made me a better person. She made me a better professional. And like, she really has had such a big influence on, on my career. Um, can you talk about exponent women? And I think what's interesting about that is that your team, you guys started something. You saw something, you want to do something a little bit different and you started something to help fix something. We, yeah, we did. Um, there, there are 10 of us uh, that got together and we said, we see this is a point in time where we're finally at a tipping point where there are enough women on the other side of the table where women can do deals with each other. And honestly, I mean, for some of the women on this call that have been in the industry as long as I have, I really have seen a change over the last half a dozen years where, you know, where there are really, you know, senior women at law firms, accounting firms, investment banks, other private equity firm lenders, where there are now women in the room. And so we got together and said, let's build a trusted network. Um, we'll just take our Rolodexes and invite everybody that we know. And, and one of our mantras is, is um, make an ask and, and then make an offer as well for each other. And I think women, a lot of have a hard time asking for things like the deal and this and that and you talk about mentorship and it's just like such a simple concept but a young woman on another call made a con a, a, um, a comment the other day that was you know don't just keep giving and like giving like i'll introduce you to this person I'll, which is great we all do that but men think a little bit like quid pro quo like you know like i'll give you this you get you know you give me that and i it like was like a light bulb went off in my head. I know it might sound really stupid because I've been in this industry forever, but I just have this personality. I love connecting people. I get a real high from it, but that's what Exponent is about, is about getting sort of mid to senior career women together in the private equity ecosystem, we call it, to ask and offer and connect and to do try to do deals with each other. We had Stephanie Rule as our keynote not last year when we could all be live. And she was on Wall Street for over, you know, 13 years before she became a, a newscaster on MSNBC. And she said that other sort of minority sectors do look to see if there are other people like them and try to reach in and say, let's think about hiring this firm or that firm. And that women now can finally do that. And that's sort of the core and the essence of Exponent is really making deals happen between each other. And and having a trusted network. Let's keep. Let's go around the. Um, let's go around the table here. We have around five minutes left. Let's just kind of. Let's put it on mute. There we go. Sorry. Maybe <laughs> we can. Okay. So let's um let's go around and wrap up with kind of your concluding thought after doing part one and part two, maybe one or two key takeaways for all the attendees and the people listening in. And Michelle would love to start with you. You know, I always get a lot more out of these, uh, you know, uh, the, these types of panels than I think um, is the intention when I'm joining a, as a panelist. But um, boy, I mean, there, there's so much in here. I, I think 
one of the things if I just pull back from some of the specific advice that's been given, which is fantastic, is you can kind of hear like common threads on the one hand, where we all have experienced maybe what seems to be the stereotype uh, or we, we know the stereotype, but we've experienced the reality differently. And so don't hold on to like the stereotype or the, the what would be or, or theoretical. Just there are different paths to kind of creating success. You know, we heard from both Caroline and Gretchen that they kept a foot in the door, but they did a part-time role for a period of time. Others of us have not done that. And, and Evely said she did as well for a period of time. So, you know, there's different paths. Um, and, and I think finding what suits you as an individual and your family and your circumstances is, is key to success. You can't set up for someone else's life, set up for your own. Um, so, you know, that's sort of one very salient uh, thread, I'd say, that, that pulls through. But the other uh, is, and I guess this is a corollary, is like we've each kind of have slightly different perspectives on that too. And, and so feel at liberty to not do, you know, any one thing that we've, that we've all done and, and create your own path. Um, but I guess the last piece I would say is we're all, you know, as you said at the outset, and I think Caroline reiterated it, we're all here because we want to help. We want to keep promoting folks within this industry, pave the path a little bit more, make it easier for the next uh, round, pay, you know, pay it forward and backward. And, and so feel free, I think, you know, I hope I speak for everyone. I think I do reach out and we can't always be perfectly helpful, but a little nugget here and there along the way, um, we're happy to engage on that. And uh, it, it'll just make this, you know, kind of a virtuous cycle for everyone. So that's, those are my takeaways. And if you have not seen Michelle's podcast that and vlog that we did, check out investorsandoperators.com. It's one of the earlier ones that we did, and it was awesome. Um, Gretchen, key takeaways. Yes. Um, I'm, I'm going to cheat a little bit, and I'm going to use an answer I just put in the chat for everybody in response to a question from Michael Sims, who asks, what advice would you give to your younger self and why? I have a daughter, so I'd like to pass some of that knowledge along to her. So Shout out to Michael Sims for being an excellent girl dad. Um, your mentor is a transitioning veteran at, uh, in Marine Special Operations and in 51 Vets. Side note plug on 51 Vets. Awesome. Excellent. <laughs> excellent question for, yeah, for a girl dad. Um, and I would say to my younger self, cut yourself some slack and don't be in a rush to the theme we've already been talking about. Your career is a long game. It's okay, maybe even advisable to take a lateral move along the way. So you gain experience in some other area. Um, your career is your own. You don't have to compare it to other folks and be on some race against other people. Your only race is against yourself and what's right for you. Um, and start thinking early. This is something I really never did. And I admire the women on this panel. Uh, and Jing, who have had the courage to do this, start thinking early about how and when and where and in what area you can start your own business. Um, save money like crazy. I mean, we all spent way too much money in our 20s, right? Before we had kids. Of course we did. Um, don't I spent it on dresses at Ann Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> don't do it. Save your money so you have the ability to do that down the road when you've got some more experience and um, knowledge about what you like to do and what you're good at. And I truly believe that real wealth creation only comes from owning your own business. Now that's, you know, that's obviously not completely universally true, but, um, but I think your odds of creating real wealth for yourself and your family come from owning, from owning the business and calling the shots. So that would be, those are my takeaways. Um, first of all, I, I have to say, I think that it, you might want to do a separate panel on balance, just hearing everyone's interest in sharing their own experiences, I think has a great deal of value. It's still a really big issue for people. Um, and I, uh, on that note, I would encourage younger women to ask older women about their experience with balance and having it all. And I would encourage us to be willing to share that because um, it's an issue they're all facing. And so we do have that experience. Um, the other thing clearly that's come out is the whole confidence issue. And I would say that shared, sharing experiences leads to an understanding of the fact that we all have done great things, but we all have done so many things that 
we've had to learn from. And so this network that's out there, this network of, of women um, really can show us all that there are things that we have done that no one else could have done. And also that we're all just human and have had you know, failings along the way. Um, and I will just finally say, I feel so grateful to be a woman in an industry that values having connections with other women. Um, there really isn't a great advantage to it. So um, that's it. And on that note, thank you very much for having me. Awesome, Evelise. Um, I'd just say that there's great momentum out there in the industry for women, but the fact is that we're still ridiculously underrepresented, right? The numbers are just like ridiculous. And so I would just encourage everybody to just do one thing tangible and meaningful, right, this year to make a difference. Because if we all do, then we'll make change. Love it. All right, Amy? I would say just really absorb as much skills as you can. We are in, in a, a very brilliant industry and I feel really blessed that I, and lucky that I've been able to sit and listen to some brilliant minds in business and investing. And so sometimes I know it's a lot of hours and it's tough and you can't do the things you might wanna do, but stick with it. And once you get that under your belt, then you'll be able to create more flexibility. And like some of us on this call, including me, I went part-time too when my kids were little. And, you know, but I had this great experience for like the first eight to 10 years. And then I was able to have some more power. So stick with it and, and absorb and listen to as much as many skills and ask questions. Um, Melanie? Um, I just wanted to say, Jordan, I know uh, you being one of the few men around the table, I really, um, and I don't know how much of this is you being with Jing or if this is your own passion, but you're the, you um, organizing these events and having the initiative even start these dialogues with women and interview all of us and, and take this under your belt in addition to the vets and, and, and 51 labs and, and try 51 and everything else you're doing um, is really something to be said about you as an individual. And I think the way that you um, support Jing as well um, in, in leaving her career and, and just how you two interact um, and watch you two interact um, is really admirable for me. I remember you guys commenting that you do an annual performance review on your marriage, which will stick with me forever. I think that was- <laughs> We do. <laughs> October 4th or November 4th, it was around. I remember the October, I was waiting for this year to find out how the assessment was, but I thought that was so interesting that you guys do a performance review on each other about your marriage. I thought that was the coolest thing ever. And I'm sure for everyone else on the phone that has a- um, husband or a wife or a partner, they're like, I'm totally instituting that and giving like all ones. Or all <laughs> well, Melanie, to, to your point about like the reason, one of the biggest reasons why this whole thing started uh, was actually a couple years ago when Jing was just feeling really down after multiple years being a lawyer, supporting the family as I pursued the entrepreneurial venture. And she couldn't see outside of that crappy situation. And I call so, myself a forcepreneur. A forcepreneur. <laughs> and and, I, and I, one of the biggest reasons for starting all of this content with women in finance is just to show other examples of, hey, here's what not just you can be, but we can build together in the next five, 10 years. Just there is light at the end of the tunnel. There is a ray of hope. Look at these people. <laughs> Let's interview them. So that, that was the background of it. No, I think, I think it's great, Jordan. And thank you so much. And Jing as well. Um, and I'd be remiss um, knowing that Jerry Harmon is out there and you know, Jordan, how I feel about her, of course. And she um, has saved the day for me more than once um, in founding our business and building our business. So um, I know people think so highly of her, but for me personally, she pulled me out of ruts when she didn't even know she was pulling me out of a rut. So sometimes you don't know the impact you're having on somebody, um, even when you're just being who you are. So, um, you know, I would say just be true to yourself, be really intentional about your life 
um, be really intentional about what you want. And, you know, don't wait till you're 40 or 50 to figure that out. To, to Amy's point, if you spend all your money on dresses at Ann Taylor at 20, um, you know, <laughs> you might not have the, the money to go out and leave on your own when you're a little bit later in life. So I think just um, for the younger women that are out there, um, lever off your resources and think about the direction you want for your life, not only in five years, but 10 years and beyond. That's awesome. Caroline? Yeah, a lot of the same themes, you know, my, my advice would be, you know, be yourself and play to your strengths. But then we talk a lot about authenticity, but that doesn't mean don't, you got to push yourself, you, you got to push yourself out of your comfort zone. So um, sometimes it seems like, oh, I'm, I'm being authentic, I'm being nice, but you got to have your own edge sometimes and you, you really got to, you got to push yourself. So, um, and to think about your path. Um, I read a great quote the other day, um, your chances of hitting a target go up exponentially when you aim at it. And uh, <laughs> so you got to think about what, you know, what, what is that target I'm aiming, aiming at? What matters to me and where do I want to go? So I think that, that stuck with me. Kellen, I really appreciate everything that you've done uh, with not just me individually and tell me the people I needed to hear, but also as a team and to everyone else on here for doing two of these. Um, we've gotten a lot of ground that we've covered and we will share this once again for everyone attending. Part one is on investorsandoperators.com. Um, you can view that at the podcast and part two will be coming out shortly.